This morning we're continuing our message series in the book of 1 John, entitled Living in the Light. Um, and in this letter uh, to the church at Ephesus, the apostle and disciple John is writing um, to that church and to the surrounding churches around Ephesus. So this letter would be passed around so that they could all hear the message. And John is exhorting these Christians, and he has been in these first few chapters, to live out their faith, right? More than just in name only, but to live it out. To walk in the light of Christ. As opposed to the darkness and the shadows. In 1 John chapter 1, just to just to uh, look back at kind of how he set this theme, he says in John chapter, 1 John 1, 5 through 7, he says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so John, John goes on these first couple chapters to explain the truth of living in the light of Christ, walking in the light of Christ. And today we come to chapter 3. Of First John, and he's just been talking about in chapter two about a new commandment that's not so new. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and he's warned these believers that everyone who says they're apart, who says that they are walking in the light and belong to Christ, are in truth not, and their actions have proven that. And proven that they're still children of the dark. And so in chapter 3 here, John holds up kind of a mirror to this, these Christians, right? To kind of say, if you are in Christ, if you claim to walk in the light as he is in the light, this is who you are and how you should live. And so today's message is entitled Legacy of Light. Billy Graham wrote, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and of faith. The definition, technical definition of legacy is something received from or transmitted by an ancestor or predecessor. See, when we talk about walking in the legacy of light, the light of Christ, we're talking about who we are in Jesus Christ that we have received from him, right? Our standing in him, part of the family because of him. So we are receiving that and we as followers of Christ are to be walking in that and transmitting that, that legacy, carrying that legacy out to the world around us through our lives as image bearers, as light bearers. It's more than just an inheritance, right? It's more than just something just that we have, or it's more than just a good idea. This, the legacy of Jesus Christ for those who are truly in Christ is who we are in Jesus. And so that is who you are this morning. If you are in Christ, if you put your faith in him as your Lord and Savior, this legacy is yours. 
And so as we look into the mirror of God's word this morning, let's determine, first of all, if we have indeed received that legacy of Christ. And then also, are we carrying it? Are we living it out? Are we walking? Are we transmitting that legacy on to the world around us and to the the people around us, this legacy of light. So 1 John chapter 3, we're going to read all 24 verses here to get some good context and get the full thought of what John is saying. So verse 1, it'll be on the screen, but if you have something to follow along with, go for it. And I apologize, I got these new glasses. I think I say this every week, but they're, they're like transitions or something, so I'm supposed to be able to do it. That doesn't work, so I'm moving So you'll see me kind of confused up here. Um, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in him, purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God. And who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Verse 11, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Verse 16, that's heavy. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk about, or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Praise the Lord. 
and He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the good news that Jesus has laid down his life for us and has called us to lay down our lives for one another. Lord, thank you for the legacy that has been given to us that we can walk in. This is who we are in Jesus, Lord. And so, God, just speak to our hearts this morning. Draw us out of the shadows, wherever they may be in our hearts, in our lives, and may we walk in the light as you are in the light. In Christ's name, amen. So a little context here. Right? Who was in the room when this was being read? Who was it written to and why was it written? Well, who, I said a little bit earlier, is the church at Ephesus. This is a, a fairly young Christian church. Oh, I got the answer right. That's what that means. <laughs> so this is Ephesus, modern day Turkey. And it was once considered the most important Greek city, specifically as the center of trade in the Mediterranean world, right? Wealthy, influential, a port city in the Roman Empire. So these were fairly young Christians living in a highly pagan, secular, pluralistic culture, decidedly anti-Christian. Familiar. So that's who it was written to. Why was it written? The disciple... The disciple John, yes, the very one who walked with Jesus. Thank you. He walked with Jesus, right? He was a disciple. He saw him. He talked about that in chapter 1. He touched him. He saw his resurrected body. And and John describes himself as the one whom Jesus loved, right? He's writing this to encourage these believers in their faith, in this culture that they live in, this world that they find themselves in. Be faithful, and he's challenging them to live out this faith. And so John reminds these Christians of the legacy that they have received, and he's calling them to continue in it and pass it on, this legacy of light. And so I want us to see three realities of this legacy that Christ has passed on to you and to I this morning and to me. And this legacy is first a legacy of love. I know this seems like we keep... I think every message I've preached in these first few chapters has had love as one of the points because this is one of the themes of 1 John. He says there at the very beginning of this, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. Listen, you are loved. He says, see, that word means behold, look, consider, focus on. Listen, Christians, we've got to spend time focusing on the love of Christ, the the love that God has shown towards you and towards me. Christianity gets a bum rap sometimes, right? Talk about judgment, rules. But part of that is what we've projected. 
It's all about social issues. It's all about political issues or it's all about this or about that. Where's the love of Jesus? We've experienced a love that the world knows nothing about. We should see that in us and we should spend some time in worship, spend time in the word, in prayer, contemplating this love that God has for you and for me. And when we focus on that, when we press into the love of God, it makes other things grow dim, right? We're not as, to use a a, a new word, I think, we're not as thirsty, right? We're not as thirsty to be loved or to be approved of. You know, people come across, isn't that what they, young people, that's what they say, thirsty, right? (laughs) He's thirsty. It just means you're like, you're trying too hard, right? As believers, we have confidence. We talked about this a couple weeks ago because we are loved by the most high God. He has given his son for you and for me. We are loved. That word given right there, I love the way the the New uh, International Version says lavished. This love that he's lavished on us. He's not skimped on it. Ephesians 3.19, the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. It's greater than we can fully comprehend. And he says, see what kind of love the Father has given us, given to us that we should be called the children of God. That kind of just flies by us sometimes. Because of Jesus, because of God's love for you and me, he has pursued you. He is pursuing you this morning. He has pursued me even in my sinfulness. His love is lavished on you and on me. Calls us children of God. It could have just, you know, God could have just had pity on us, right? He could have just saved us, you know, just, all right, cleanse our sin so we don't have to go to hell, right? But no, he calls us children. He made us part of the family. 2 Corinthians 6.18, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Listen, I know everyone in this room does not have a heritage and a legacy of love, right? Maybe the home that you've come from is, there's been struggle, to say the least. God calls us into his family. He makes us sons and daughters through, through what Christ has done for us. On the cross, he's demonstrated his love that we would have a father, not only just a father, but the King of kings and Lord of lords with us every day. This love is incredible. It's an overwhelming thought in verse 2. He continues, beloved, we are God's children now. Now, he's going somewhere with this, but he's, he's telling them, you've got to get this first. Receive that. Spend time thinking about that. You know, oftentimes we get in prayers and in worship and all those things. We want to heap love on God. Yes, and he, he loves our worship. He loves to hear from us. But that's got to come from a place of overwhelming understanding that he loves me. Otherwise, I only do it when I feel like it. It's more than just a rescue. It's like someone saving a drowning person and not just pulling them on the boat, but putting them on the boat and saying, all right, you're part of our family now. Actually, that might be kind of creepy, but no, it's, it's a good thing. You get everything. You get the inheritance. You get, you get the, the insurance. 
till you're 26. You get, you get everything, right? We're part of the family of God because of what Jesus has done. And listen, if you've been in church your whole life, I know this seems like, yeah, I know. I learned this when I was a little kid. For God so loved, I got it. No, it, it is everything. We are the children of God because of his love for us. Now, what does this love look like? See, the world talks about love all the time. I, I say we, we write songs about it and poems, all those things. We talk about it all the time. But that brings me to the next point, that this legacy looks unfamiliar to the world. This love is unfamiliar to the world. He says in verse 1, continues, The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. You ever heard the, 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 the phrase, built different? I know some high school football teams that's their practice jersey underneath is built different right the urban dictionary says it's a term used to define oneself to be extraordinary at a variety of levels to outperform social norms built different we have a kind of a joke ongoing joke i don't I, it's probably not really a joke but in our family anytime somebody does something good or whatever we say yep she's a chambers he's a chambers Right? It's a little prideful. We're kind of, we're kidding, kind of. But in Christ, we are built different. We are remade out of our flesh. You are different than you were before you knew Jesus, before you received this legacy, before you received the love of Christ. You are different. I am different. Now, this is the danger of Christianity today, is that we've made it a strategy in reaching the world to try and convince them that we're just like them. We're just like you. There's no difference. Listen, the world is desperate, desperate to be loved. We're not different as Christians because we shout about our convictions, but because we live them out. There was a song years ago by a group called DC Talk. I don't know. I got I to gotta update these illustrations because I, I don't know if you guys know who that is. DC Talk called Jesus Freak. <laughs> and there's like a rap in the middle of it. And he talk, he say, what will people think if they know that I'm a Jesus freak? And he talks about this one guy who's got a giant tattoo of Jesus saves across his stomach and he doesn't wear a shirt. And everything. That's not really what he's talking about. That We're different, right? This is not a human legacy, right? The truth is, I have to try and break some of the legacy that my father imparted to me. And my kids are going to, they're cursed with a few things as well. This is something that is different. The legacy of Christ is different. How is it different? Well, as children of Christ, as children of God, we are to love differently like Jesus He says in verse 1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. The, The New King James Version puts it like this, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be children of God. What manner? That was used in Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus calmed the sea. And they looked at him and they said, but the men marveled in Matthew chapter 8. It says, the, the men marveled at and said to one another, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? What manner of love? What, you're not from around here, are you? What kind, of, what kind of man is this? What kind of love is this? This is a different kind of love. 
This is not like we know. This love is unconditional, first of all. He says in verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. What is he saying there? We haven't made it yet. We're not there yet. Guess what? He loves me anyway. You're still broken. You still struggle. We're still in this fallen body, in this fallen world. But he says, it's not yet appeared, our perfection. But guess what? Jesus loves you anyway. You cannot get out of that love. We struggle. We fall down. We get up. And yet he continues to love. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Still sinners, he loved me and gave himself for me. That's the kind of love we've been given. And that should flow through us. We've been made children of God, forgiven and redeemed by no merit of my own. Even in rebellion, his love is conquered. And this is different than the world around us. It's very conditional, right? What have you done for me? What do you add to my life? In my personal life, what what are you doing for me? How are you lifting me up? How are you affirming me? In our politics, if you agree with me, then maybe we can be in some sort of relationship. The love of Christ is unconditional, and that's that's the family that we're a part of. That's who we should be. It's tough in my flesh. New Yorkers struggle with this idea, for sure. I remember when we first started having small groups in our apartment, and Tony would make these unbelievable dinners, you know, and she would just let it all hang out. We'd have our neighbors come by, and they would eat with us. Everybody always wanted to, like, pay us. You're like, let me give you some money. No, 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 it's fine. They, they didn't quite get it. It's like, you know, goods and services. You, you did something. Here, let me pay. Let me bring you something. And you're like, no, 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 no. We're trying to show unconditional love. and There are many barriers between Christianity and the lost world. We're called to cross those barriers, not them. We don't put up signs and just say, hey, we're, we're meeting in this building on Sunday. No, we go, we love. We live lives of unconditional love. It's an opportunity to show Christ. Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? So the challenge this morning is that we're to love in this unfamiliar way. Your neighbors, your family members, your friends should see something different in the way that you love them and love those around you. We've got to get our lives in front of and in people's lives who don't know Jesus, don't know his love and show that love, this unconditional Love, it's not only unconditional love, but it's steadfast love. The writer of Hebrews, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Even though we try to run him off, God is not going to leave you. He's not running anywhere. If you feel distant this morning, it's, it's me. If I feel distant from him this morning, it's me. But he hasn't gone anywhere. His love is steadfast. I think I've told this story before, but I remember... Uh, I don't remember, but my wife and I, we were first married. You know, I was, we fought all the time, all the time. 
And I used to say, my go-to line was, why don't you just go home? We were living out in California and our parents lived in Miami. I kept saying that because somewhere inside of me, I was ready. I knew she was going to leave. I knew this was too good to be true for me. So I kept trying to push her away. Why don't you just go home? Go home to your mother. And she changed my life with her answer. I am home. She told me, I am home. I'm not going anywhere. That is the kind of love that Christ has for us that we've been shown. He's not running off anywhere. You can't push him away. You can't scare him off. It's a steadfast love, and he's called us to demonstrate that legacy, to demonstrate that kind of love to our neighbors. It's not a quick act, right? It's not something I just do once and it's over. It's about investing my life. It's about giving you my life. We love low investment, low risk, hold back a little bit so I can protect myself. In, in this culture that we live in, this cancel culture, you mess up, you're out. You're uninvited. But that's not the love of Christ. That's not the love God has shown to us. The world's love looks like, what's my return on investment? But what Jesus has shown you and I is, it's not about what you do for me or I do for you. It's about what Christ has done for us both. For us all. So, remember how I've been loved and allow Christ to love through me. He says, John is saying, this is who you are in Christ. I can look at your life. I can see the way that you love or don't love. I can see the way that you walk in righteousness or not and know who you are, whether you are in the light or not. Not only loving differently in an unfamiliar way, but holiness. We're to walk in holiness. He talks about that here. Growing in holiness. Now the world, we can talk about love all day long. I talk long enough, we can fill this place up. And, but there's also holiness. He's also called us to walk in holiness. We have a family trait. We have some family traits if you look at Jesus, right? And I'm not talking about self-righteousness. And I'm not talking about earning my salvation. We are justified in Christ. When we receive the love of Christ, when we put our faith in what Christ has done for us on the cross, we're justified before the Father. And there's no changing that. But he calls us to grow in holiness, to walk in holiness Reflected in my decisions and my priorities. The world does not define right or wrong for me or for you. Just because something's trending doesn't mean that that's right for me. Or that changes what God has said. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. It's the Holy Spirit working in my life. It's proof of, it's fruit of the Spirit in my life, sanctifying me, changing me, right, into the image of Christ. 
There's movement here. To be kept blameless is a result of what Jesus is doing in me. Verse 6 says, No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. A couple important things in that. First of all, we keep coming back to this word over the past few weeks, abiding. Abide in Him. It is His power in me that changes me. It's not my own efforts. Verse 24, and by this we know that He abides in us by His Spirit whom He has given. It's a work in you and in me. See, the legacy of Christ that we've been given is not something that was just from a long time ago and and is offered. It is alive. It is working in my life. He is working in your life today. It's a legacy of a relationship that doesn't end. It's active and growing. He speaks and leads. Are we listening? And are we obeying? No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. The Holy Spirit is constantly talking to us. That is one of the blessings. That is one of the the legacy, part of the legacy that he's given us, his spirit day in and day out, every moment. This morning as the word is preached and read, the Holy Spirit is moving. Are we listening? Are we saying no to sin? Are we accepting our sinfulness when the Holy Spirit opens our eyes? Not just, like I said the other week, not just the big things, my attitudes, the way I see things, the way that I respond to people. Are you walking in the legacy of Christ? Is your life unfamiliar to your coworkers, to the onlookers of your life? Can you live in a world that is self-centered and me first that doesn't always reciprocate? That's different. Do you have a desire to walk in holiness? Do you have a desire? Are you, are you spending time in the word of God? Are you spending time in prayer saying, God, shine your light on my heart. Show me where there's sinfulness. Are you making space to hear the Holy Spirit in your life? Because there's an ongoing conversation there. So the legacy of the light is love. It's unfamiliar to the world around us. It should... It should be something different in you and I that makes the world ask questions. And finally, the legacy of Christ is hope. He says in verse 3, We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself and he is pu- as He is pure. Where's your hope today? If you've received Christ, you are a child of God, and as a result, you have hope in Him. We have hope, first of all, because our faith will one day become sight. That's good news. That's exciting. Right there, he said in verse 2, We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Listen, as we live... As long as we're in this world, it's broken, it's fallen, my body is fallen, it's a battle. There's an aspect of struggle to the life of faith even. But the great haunting question 
of eternity, beyond the grave, what's next is settled for me. Revelation 21.4 He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Praise God! As sure as we sit here this morning, we will be in His presence one day. Some would say, well, Christians, you know, they just focus on some pie in the sky after you die idea, right? But what about life right now? They miss the point of what it is to be a follower of Christ. They miss the point of what it is to be a child of God. It's about abundant life here and now, right? Day in and day out, the Holy Spirit leading us. But there is that promise. There is that one day. First Corinthians 3.12 For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. All our questions will be answered. This week, I guess you've heard a couple days ago, Tim Keller passed away, the pastor at Redeemer Presbyterian Church. And on Instagram, he had a, his daughter posted a, a message just before he passed away, like the day or two before that. And she said, here's, here's dad's... Um, prayer that I he prayed in my presence today Keller said I'm thankful for all the people who prayed for me over the years I'm thankful for my family that loves me I'm thankful for the time that God has given me but I am ready to see Jesus I can't wait to see Jesus send me home that is amazing hope that Christ has given us He says to encourage one another with that promise. That is a beautiful example of hope that's beyond this life. So we have hope because this is not the end, but we also have hope because our suffering is not in vain. Romans 5, 3-5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have hope even in the day in and day out struggles of life because His love has been poured out in our hearts We have purpose in Christ. We have meaning for this life. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He is actively working in and through you. When I'm in the middle of trials, and there are trials, all of us go through. doesn't matter if you're a preacher, a pastor, or whatever. You have them. I remember that Christ has promised to never leave or forsake me. And he is working in my life, even in the struggles, even when others mean it for harm, he uses it for good, molding me into his image. One day I will see him face to face. I'm not just tumbling randomly through the universe like dust. The Holy Spirit is working things out. So listen, believer, this morning, when you have struggles, when you have hardships, let's not be tossed to and fro like the world. Let's demonstrate our hope in Christ 
by casting our cares on Him. When you're in a struggle, it might be with a person, it might be with a job, it might be whatever situation, you are not alone. Take heart this morning. God is with you. He is speaking. You are His child. And what is He saying? The first thing that God says to us in in our trials and in difficulty and in storms is I want to give you more of me. He wants to give me more of him in the middle of my struggle and my trials. Because what what is happening in the struggle, he's saying, stop holding on to those. Stop holding on to that. Stop holding on to me. Tighter. Closer. I want to give you more of myself. I better hurry along here. We also have hope because we have a Savior. 1 Timothy 4.10. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially those who believe. Our hope, our hope ultimately is not simply in heaven or in blessings or even what he's doing in me, but it, our hope is in him, who he is. Because I can't always decipher what is happening around me, but I can trust in him, in his character, in his heart, in his power, in his faithfulness. Trust him this morning. So here's the mirror that he holds up. John holds this up to us this morning. He says, Here is who you are in Christ. You have a legacy of love, an unfamiliar love that looks different than the world. Does it look that way in your life? And of hope. That's been given to us. We have his legacy. We are children of God. And he calls us to receive it, right? Remember that definition is something that's received and transmitted. So have you received it this morning? How do you know if you have received it or not? Well, first of all, I mean, he says in John 1, 12, just as, uh, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So what does it mean to receive him? First of all, receive who he is. Receive Jesus for who he is. John 1, 29, remember John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's who Jesus is. Receive him this morning. Receive him for what he's done. 1 John 2, 2, a chapter ago. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Who he is, the savior, what he's done on the cross and receive him finally by faith. Romans three twenty four, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that Christ, that came by Christ Jesus. So you don't work for it. It's not about um, loving your way into it, any of those things. It's receiving it. It's being justified by putting my faith in what Christ has already done, in this legacy that he has purchased and offers to you this morning. When you receive his love, not only has he forgiven you, but he calls you his child with all the privileges, all the rights, his presence, his guidance, his spirit, his promises, abundant life now and his presence for eternity. And listen, Christian, if you have received it, are you living that unfamiliar love and holiness every day in your life? Not just by trying harder, but by abiding in him, drawing closer to him, organizing your life. It's very practical. Organize your life to where you have time to be in the word and time in prayer. 
Time to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We, per- we persevere in that love because we are gripped by it and we have hope in Him. Listen, this morning, Christian, John is telling those Christians in Ephesus and the surrounding cities, listen, you are part of the family of God. You are a child of God this morning. You are loved. There is no situation, there is no dark moment where you are not loved, where you're forgotten about, where you're not cared for. You are. So stop turning to the world to find that acceptance and that approval. Press into Jesus this morning. And you can walk in hope because he's already taken care of everything. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. God, thank you that we come this morning. And again, you are reaching out to us in your love, in your patience and kindness and grace. You're whispering to our hearts to trust you more. You are offering more of yourself to us this morning. If there's someone in here, Lord, that has never received the love that you have given, that you have demonstrated through Christ dying for our sins on the cross, if there's one here this morning who's not trusted that for their salvation, I pray that today they would receive it. They would enter into the kingdom of God. They would enter into the family of God. And Lord, for those of us here who are Christians, who have said, yes, I know that love. I've experienced that love. I receive that love. Lord, may we rest in it. May we press into it. And may it transform us into living lives that reflect light, that reflect Christ, that reflect love and hope in a way that the world does not know. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen.